Hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Allen. Yes! You know, this podcast is dedicated to bringing honest, authentic conversations so that you can have a healthy, happy, healthy, juicy love life. Here's Crazy Juicy Love. So hey guys, welcome back to the Crazy Juicy Love podcast, and I have the special guest, Shane Scott. He is a clinical social worker and coach. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so happy that we connected. Like we just yeah. you know, in a little uh, breakout networking session. It's really <laughs> yeah. over a book. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. that's great. Like people see people can connect over books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It was like a it was like a four minute exercise too. So it was so fast. So. Yeah. It, it was it was it was really fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So first of all, like, how are you? How are you doing? and the current situation i think you're pretty busy like with <laughs> yeah yeah um you know i think i think it's been uh, it's been a roller coaster i think uh you know one of the things about working in the helping profession during a pandemic is like that you're this is one of the first times i think in my career that i'm experiencing the exact same thing that everyone else is experiencing mm. especially my clients so i'm trying to navigate like um the just the safety stuff around this and what it means and the uncertainty while you know helping other people through that and so I think it's been helpful in a lot of ways um, <clears throat> for me to to know and identify and be able to relate to my clients but it does I think it I have been really having to really take care of myself even more and pay attention to yes you know how I'm like <laughs> how I'm <laughs> doing things and what I'm saying yes to and what I'm saying no to and um, giving myself giving myself time because it's it's a different level of exhausting you know and I'm so yeah, yeah I yeah. hear you <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, it's so hard it is and like yeah. you know I was sharing with this coach um, before this call like um, like I had to really learn how to manage my anxiety and because I can imagine like um, exactly what you just said, like you're going through the yeah. exact same thing that you're going through and like to be able to serve our clients, like really what it is to take care of my own self. Um, yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you get so involved in what you're doing that you, that honestly, I, I forget, oh, I forget, you know, and yeah. it's like yeah. <laughs> you ignore the things that trigger you yeah. and the thing that's yeah. bring your anxiety. And when you have something like this, there is no hiding from it it's just everything's yeah. on the mat yeah and, and yeah exactly and you know anxiety comes from a place of not having control and we don't have when we feel like we're out of control when we, we, we when we feel like we don't know what's going to happen anxiety mm -hmm. just comes and takes over and like becomes its own thing and so it's so important to you know, especially during a time like this to know like what really triggers your anxiety. Yeah. Um, you know, what you need to do for yourself. And if, you know, and it, and it does mean that like, you, you know, you have to pay attention to things, especially like making sure that you're, you know, eating and like you know, going to bed at, at a reasonable time. And I think that's yeah. one of the biggest things is like, I think all of us struggle with like, well, why can't I just watch Netflix and start streaming a show and, before you know it it's like three in the morning You're like oh i don't have to do anything tomorrow but then <laughs> you know you don't get up to like three in the afternoon and it's, it's this whole um it's this whole cycle of like we still have to create some sort of routine and uncertainty yeah in our lives, so. i think yeah i think that's been the biggest thing like i yeah um as i'm like creating a rebranding i had to like learn how to be on a schedule and i think once i get on that yeah schedule then i I noticed like how my anxiety kind of like subsided, like, you know, mm -hmm. and there's a couple of moments because I get up like really early now. Yeah. And there was one morning, I have a friend who's, who suffers from anxiety 
and I was like, it was like, it was, I was, it was at five in the morning, and he had sent me something. Like I was so happy and looking at my Instagram feed, and I saw his name pop up, and I was like, you haven't slept, have you? He goes, nope. <laughs> it's, it's up. I was like, dude, you need to go to yeah. bed. It's so easy for that to happen. It's just like. Oh. No, and you get into something and you're just like oh i'm so into this and i've done that before where i'm like creating content or working on some stuff for work or doing something or even reading and it's like before you know it, it's like two in the morning and it's just like no yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah. so tell like tell people like like who are you what do you who do you serve sure. and who do you mainly work with yeah so um so my name is shane scott i I'm a licensed clinical social worker in Connecticut. I live in the Hartford area. I spent my whole life in in, um, in Connecticut. I grew up in a very small town called Brooklyn, Connecticut. I always have to specify because it um, people think I'm talking about Brooklyn, New York, and I'm like, it's not that cool. It's like <laughs> 7,000 people, a bunch of farms. So just making sure that, that that's clear because I don't want to set anyone up for false expectations. But um, yeah, and I have, I come from a family of, there's five boys, I have four brothers. Um, it's a blended sort of, uh, <clears throat> it's, bl- I, it's a blended family. Um, three of my brothers come from my parents' first marriages. Uh, so, you know, I was a kid that grew up in the 90s. Um, so that's a big part of like my story. You know, um, I'm going to be 40 this year. So yeah, in a few months I'll be 40. So that's a whole other like Big thing I'm trying to wrap my head around <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> um so it, it just feels you know and and I <clears throat> I don't always feel 40 or I don't I've been told I don't look 40 so sometimes it's I feel like life is catching up with me very quickly so um so I think I've been thinking about that a lot lately but you know I, I work with um most of my clients I work are a part of the LGBT community. I do a lot of work with men and a lot of my work is around sex, sexuality, gender, and identity. And the coaching practice I do is pretty small right now. Um, but I still work with men and a lot of gay men and some some straight guys too, I think. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, I think that's been really the niche that I fell into naturally with being um, with, being a, with being a male social worker, um, we're about, it's 80% of the profession um, is female and the average age. Really? Is yeah. Yep, I most, didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's, it's really interesting. Like, and so even, it's, it's even a smaller percentage of LGBT folks who are social workers. There's other um, types of therapists and mental health professionals, like licensed professional counselors and marriage and family therapists and, um, you know, sort of a psychologist and psychiatrist. And so there's a lot of different types of us, but I know for my um, degree in my field specifically, social work, um, there's, there's very, there's very, very limited um, people of color and men that work in the field. So wow. uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I naturally, you know, worked with men throughout my career when I worked in clinics and nonprofits. And so uh, right now, I have a private practice, which is super nice. Um, it's my own thing. I get to decide who I work with and market towards that yeah. population and kind of do my own thing and and really focus on things that are important that are coming up. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's, I think, essentially who I am in a snapshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Shane and I connected over a book, like I said, and the book yeah. is The Velvet Rage. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I recommend it to clients all the time. I talk about it all the time. So I think it's, you know, it's really talks about growing up in a straight world and it talks about all the different parts of who we are. And what's really cool is that it comes from a psychologist. I believe he was a psychologist. Yeah, that, he's a psychologist. Yeah. yeah, so that, that works with gay men and shared some of their stories. And I think it's so universal in the sense that, you know, I think oftentimes, especially when we're coming out as gay men, we feel like we're broken or defective in some way. And we, and it's hard to know and feel that other people are going through the same thing that we are going through or went through this. 
Yeah. And I, and I, you know, it's so interesting because I think in, in, in the book, he points out like, you know, basically coming out is almost like, it's like, a, it's, it's a part of trauma because yeah. what we have to go through mentally and internal, like internally of to be able to come, like the, I mean, oh, I remember when I first was even trying to accept myself as gay, it was, it was hard. It was yeah. just, you know, um, yeah. I remember when I first came to New York and and I didn't really because I think most gay men go most gay men won't, won't think of it as a trauma. They just like, you know, I just came out, you know, but we actually for me, like I know the mental thing, the denial and all that stuff and the worry all is a part of that uh the tra- yeah. that, that, that trauma and like and right. um I remember when I was uh uh, I w- had just moved to New York and I came back, I went away, went away, came back and um, I was like, I think that this is who I am. So I remember going, yeah. uh, getting in a subway, getting dressed, getting in a subway, heading to my first gay bar and uh, I ran into my best friend. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, and I was so nervous. I was like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, he's like, where are you going? He's like, and I was like, I don't want to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and then luckily when that moment when he told me about, and I, when he asked me that, I got off at 23rd Street in Chelsea <laughs> yeah. to go to go to gym bar. And yeah. Up. And yeah. That moment was like very traumatic for me. It was oh, traumatic yeah. in a way of like, I'm, I'm learning to admit it to myself yeah. and accept myself and testing the waters out but it was like a moment of like great fear like just getting up putting on my clothes like going to this bar was like it was it was nerve-wracking to like i think to say oh i fit in here yeah and i i remember being petrified too and i remember um i didn't i came out when i was 23 and I remember there was one night before my family knew, and it was a similar story. I was I, I was thinking I was laughing to myself when you when you were saying that because I remember like I was in I was standing outside of a gay bar in Providence, and um, and I, all of a sudden I saw my brother, my younger brother, and all his friends like coming towards us, going to a different bar, oh, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> and then I like. I was like freaking out and you know, and wow. I'm a little dramatic as it is, but I was like, oh yeah, I can do that. And, um, and he just like, and he walked by and I, he saw me, he didn't say anything cause I wasn't out to him at that time. But I was like, I thought I was like so slick. I was like, oh, he didn't, he didn't see me. Like I'm good, you know, but he totally saw me. And, but it was, it was just like, there was always that fear, you know? And yeah. um, it was always, even, even if you, even if you know, or have a instinct that people are going to be accepting or that it's going to be okay. It's still so nerve wracking because you just don't know, you know, how, how it's going to, how people are going to take it, what it's going to bring up for someone else, you know, especially family because family have to family specifically has to let go of their own expectations that they have for you. Right. So, you know, my parents, even when I was a teenager, they always said, we want you to have kids. Like you're going to be such a good dad. And, going to have a family because that was important to them and I was just like and my response was always like listen you have you have like four other boys that are babies. Like, <laughs> it's not all me like <laughs> why I got why I got to be me <laughs> <laughs> I was like why are you doing this to me right now you know it's so, so it's so interesting we have similar yeah. stories my mom yeah. was the same way and I was like yeah. I remember one year I was so sick and tired of hearing her Tell me, go have kids. I was like, if you want more kids, go have them yourself. It's just <laughs> yeah. like, I just like, I'm just trying to live my life right now. You know? just, yeah. Just like, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, trying to, to like, figure it out. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I, I talk about with, with people now and in my life, like personally and professionally, is that I think the thing that we can forget and that other people can forget is that coming out is always a process so every part of our lives you know um, we have to think about that right so when we start a new job if we move to a new place 
Um, and for some people, it's even if they're not out at all, or if that are they're at a different level of self-acceptance, it might even be harder for them. So, you know, and I still think about, um, and for myself personally, like I think about this all the time. Like, you know, every time I do an interview or I do a training or I do a workshop, I I actively think about like, okay, how gay am I going to be right now? Yeah. Like, like how safe is it for me, right? And so I think people who are um, you know, that are straight or <clears throat> or have a heteronormative life, they don't have to think about that. You know, it's yeah. not like most people don't have to be like, oh, like to be coming out to their parents or say like, oh, get mom and dad, I'm sorry, but I'm straight. You know? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> you know? So that, that so it is like this always evolving process of of you know that coming up and yeah, that is so. Well, you know, because I had that same thought when I first became a coach. And the reason why I had that thought was, you know, so the woman who I said it with, she's, you know, she's white. And she told this story. And I was like, this, this story, her story was she was the only white female um, uh, leading a workshop for all black women. And yeah. so it came up for her that I'm a white woman leading mm-hmm. a workshop for all black <laughs> women. Yeah. And yeah. so she, for her, she, I guess she said, you know, she felt the awkwardness. So, and to put it in relax, she said, well, well, let's talk about the elephant in the room, which was her. And yeah. then she said, all the women laughed. Yeah. And because she said that, it just created much ease with everybody mm-hmm. else. They didn't, they, because we know everybody was thinking it. And yeah. then when she said that, I was like, oh my God, like, do I have to announce to every person that I'm gay, who I'm coaching? Like, you know, especially yeah. men, I, like, I'm coaching men. Like, do I have to tell every straight guy or like how? Do I have to censor myself in my content, in my approach? It was the conversations I had to go through and I had to ask yeah. her that question. She goes, oh no. She was like, you need to be who you are. Like, yeah. do not censor yourself at all right. because the people who are attracted to you are attracted to you, whether they're gay or straight. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if it comes, I always look at it as like, if it comes up, then then I will discuss it, right? So I've I've been I've been in I've been in a lot of situations where my first job out of grad school I was um I worked in in an inner city program in Hartford with um, primarily uh, men of color that were on probation on parole um, were mandated to do therapy in some way. So I ran several groups where I was sitting in the room with um, nine to twelve men of color, and I was just like. 28 year old like you know um <clears throat> very Caucasian kid who was like who was seen to them as privileged and you know and I do have a lot of privilege right so I had to sit in that in that space and they would they would say like well how do you know what I'm going through you know and, and I and I had to get really comfortable with saying like I know what it's like to struggle I know what it's like to feel judged and mm. and and struggle to be yourself and like and you know and struggle with the things that are that brought you to this point in your life but yeah i'm white and i have a different experience than you might have but that doesn't mean that we can't learn from each other and that i can't help you yeah you know even if it's one thing that you get out of this relationship then that's what my job is right now so i think being transparent and authentic those two those two concepts i think are really important in doing any work coaching as well is really important like and I think I've gotten to a point where I am myself and when I'm working with with someone that it's it's not a question and because I'm just I don't make it I don't have to say that I'm gay because they just understand that I get it that makes Mm -hmm. sense yeah so you know so I I think I, I just the words that I use and how I relate to someone is is um is the way that I say like listen I understand like I know what I know what the struggle is and so I can say that without um <clears throat> without like getting without putting myself in a position where it's about me right right because you don't want it to be about you but I think we 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 are attracted to authenticity like I think that's really important like you said 
that's the best advice is like you have to be authentic you have to be you know um unapologetic about who you are you yeah. know because otherwise it's a part of like you just can't be yourself and when especially as men because like we're taught that we have to be a certain way yeah. and that masculinity and and the way that we present ourselves is important and that's everything but sometimes we don't fit into that category yeah and it's a really as i do more and more research and more and more talking to my man it's such a a a, a really fucked up <laughs> like paradigm <laughs> that men you know yeah put each other and the put ourselves you know in these boxes that we have to live up to these yeah expectations that are one cause a lot of depression anxiety a lot of suicide 100%. rates um yeah. and it's just there it's just it needs to be unraveled and say look like this does not work mm-hmm. um so which leads me to like you know like going into like one of the things I ask, like, like, what are the common, some of the common things that you see that gay men struggle with when they come to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think I th- some of the things are exactly what you talked about. I think depression, anxiety, and even on a deeper level is emotional recognition, right? So it's a lot of times, I can't even tell you, like, it's funny but not funny, but it is so, um, it's so striking to me that so many men straight gay trans all of us like we we often struggle with like even understanding basic emotions because we don't talk about it right yes (laughs) right so it's like so there's all this focus on like you don't get angry or or like the external emotions or like you know the obvious ones but um but I've had clients describe like, well, how do you feel about your relationship? Or I've asked some questions like, how do you feel about your relationship? Or like, what do you think about, you know, what do you feel when you think about your your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend? And <laughs> and they say things like, good, you know, like, and I'm like, good's not an emotion, right? So yeah. <laughs> what does that actually mean? Like, what do you feel? Yeah. You know? And so, and it's really, and so I think it's it's very difficult um, for a lot of men to like figure out how to navigate situations when they don't know how they feel because we don't talk about it. We don't, we don't teach kids. We don't yeah. teach men. We don't teach boys. We don't teach our, the, the people in our lives, like how to recognize and how to manage and how to regulate the emotions yeah. that we have. And so, and, and I think what we're, and it's kind of like those messages that you had talked about earlier when we, when we were growing up, um, of like well what you have to be a man you have to man up and you have to do what you need to do and being productive is important and there's all these messages that we hear about being a man and what actually happens when we start to you know become conditioned to those messages is that it goes against our our humanity because part of the human experience yeah before you go into that i'm gonna read yeah, you yeah. something because it's like you like really hitting something that i've just perfect timing yeah so yeah. Um, there's this uh research that i found this this guy who i'm following his name is i'm um, jason rosario and you know in the article it shows these seven beliefs that that hold men back and you're talking about the first one which is yeah so amazing <laughs> and the belief is that the belief is that men needs to be self-sufficient a man yeah. who talks a lot about his worries, his fears, his problems shouldn't be really respected. Mm-hmm. Men should figure that out of their own personal problems on their own without asking for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. It's so damaging because it's like we're interconnected. You know, like we're designed to depend on each other. Like that's how human yes. beings are, are innately created, right? So, um, So we make it so like you know, like, um, that, that those qualities and, and asking for help is a, is feminized, right? It's a feminine quality where yeah. it's a human quality. And then if you have that quality, it's like, there's something wrong with you, you know, right. like I, I was really sensitive as a kid and I used to react emotionally to, to everything, right? Like I would cry a lot and I was very aware of things and I was very sensitive and it was always seen like, a weakness and something that I had to fix, right? And um, mm. and it was like, oh, there goes Shane again. He's just like having a meltdown. 
you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it was just me. It was just me having my experience. Right. And so, um, but that's part of why I can do what I do now is because of that sensitivity that like, that I had to work through and see as a gift rather than a, a, um, a deficit, you know, but it's, it's so hard. I always say, (laughs) I always say to my clients, um, and I like to say that I created this, but I don't think I did. But, uh, <laughs> but it's like emotions. Emotions are like peeing. Eventually, they're gonna come out, right? Oh so, yeah. <laughs> well, they come so, out in like violence, yeah, you know, aggression, exactly. yeah. You know, because yeah. they have no outlet to express. Yeah. So they they are expressing it outwardly, drugs, yeah, sex, you know, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah, and self-destruct, self-sabotage. Yeah, um, self-destruct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, self-destructive behavior. So, you know, when they, when people may not, um, may not be able to thrive, like they may just get stuck. They may not go for jobs. They may not, you know, they may just be underemployed or um, domestic violence, right? So there's all these risk factors that go along with when we try to manage and self-contain. Yeah. all of these things because they do come out you know we can only we're only capable of holding so much um so it's super important to start to break that those, that stigma and that barrier the stigma and barriers to um to emotions to to deconstructing masculinity to make it more you know to to look at it as more of like it's masculine and sexy to be emotionally aware to yeah. talk about your emotions it's important you know, like we can't get anywhere in our life without being okay with what we feel and who we are. Yeah. It's so interesting you say that. Like I was um, sharing with a guy earlier about, um, like I was trying to <laughs> get the creator from um, Movember to come on my podcast and I didn't, were unsuccessful to get him. But uh, but what let, it led me down to a podcast that he created. It was like three episodes. And um, and it was sort of like a, I don't want to say interview style, but like it was only the man speaking. It wasn't the person who's interviewing like me and you right now. Yeah, which yep. is it was sort of cut together where the guy you just hear the guy who's being interviewed his voice. And so um, and so for people who don't know what Movember is, it's like a men's health awareness. Where it started off as men's mental health awareness, now it's like. M- not mental, but just physical and all these other aspects mm-hmm. and men's health in general. Um, so in an interview, this guy who's straight um, was sharing how he tried to commit suicide three times and that he was dealing with a lot and he felt like he couldn't share that with anyone because he was a firefighter and that he didn't want anybody to see him as weak. And then he... Yeah. He got diagnosed with cancer and he's like, I definitely could not tell anybody that had cancer because I didn't want them to give me a desk job and I'm leading these group of guys. I don't want them to treat me like I'm some like, you know, weakling, you know, so I couldn't yeah. do it. And so it was, he, like, he was like saying, I bottled up so much that I failed three times at, yeah. you know, um, killing myself. And he said, but it was a third time that my doctor was like, you need to go see a, a therapist. And so mm. it was in that moment when he finally said yes to seeing a therapist, at when he realized that talking out his problems and identifying what the feelings were, where they came from, um, the root of it, then he realized, then he started to heal. Then he was like, oh, I just needed to tackle these underlying issues that I had never dealt with so I can began to heal and then he was like when he started doing that then his actual his cancer started to go like the, the wow. ball did not start to go away because he started to deal with the problems because Louise Hay in her book um, uh, You Can Hear Your Life you know while she talks more about it in the documentary she was like she had she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer she was and they were going to put her in the chemotherapy she was like no She's like, I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna do some work. And she saw on herself that she had all these like uh, loose ends with people, these regrets, mm-hmm. all these things that she like was dealing with. She's like, I'm gonna try this first. And as she started tackling all these issues that she never tackled with, with people and with herself, then she her healing started to happen. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I really, that really resonated that story because that's what happens is that like our physical health and our mental health and every aspect of ourselves is connected, right? So we often think that, I think there's this notion that our body is not connected to our mind and our and our emotions right. and our psyche, but it all is, it's, it's all connected. And so I think we have the ability to heal ourselves in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but we don't always trust ourselves and, and, and trust that process and um and suicide in general is such a huge risk factor for the lgbt community and men in general and so it's it's important to really allow and especially in a time like a pandemic it's yeah. important to check in on your your strong friends too because yeah, yeah. what are some of the um the things that uh like trigger men or that can cause men that men are unaware of that could probably lead them to have like suicidal things um so sometimes so substance abuse um and um alcoholism or dependence on substance abuse uh some there's some research that shows that suicide is is often an impulse or something that um that occurs without intention um and so it's not always like a built up sort of, okay, well, I, I want to, I want to die. And I've been thinking about this and it doesn't always have to be a plan um, that is, has been in place for a while or a thought that's been in place for a while. Um, it's sometimes comes at an, at an impulse when that person is under the influence or is dealing with a major loss. Um, sometimes the major change in their lives, like a lot of times, men especially if they're going through a separation divorce uh legal matters um if there's you know some if they financial problems um sometimes a lot of those things can really trigger um trigger suicidal thoughts or depression so and sometimes it's genetic history as well so if there's uh, family history of depression if there's a family history of suicide attempts Mm-hmm. Um, if there's physical health underlying physiological or physical health problems um, that are that are often linked to depression, like obesity, um, diabetes, um, <clears throat> cancer. So yeah, there's wow. a lot of things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, me- there's a lot of mental health and physical um, physical conditions that are linked together, and then you know you throw in biology and, and family history, it. Um, <clears throat> there's a huge risk factor there. So, um, also if there's, if you've been adopted, if you're, we're in the foster care system, um, trauma as well. So that's a big piece. So I, you talked earlier about, um, it is often traumatic and we don't recognize that in terms of being, um, about being gay or trans or being a part of the LGBT community. There is some, some trauma that goes along with being stigmatized and, put into another category and if you also think about you know being gay and being in the military you know and mm. um and being being in oppressive environments can be very difficult as well and that can be a huge um risk factor for for suicide yeah wow you know i'm curious because i as you're talking like um eckhart tolle uh i'm not sure if you are you familiar with him uh i don't i don't think so yeah, so I'll he's to, yeah, he's like this spiritual, not let's say spiritually like you know on uh, uh, the sort of the practice of ontology, like a, a way of being. So you know, mm-hmm. um, he wrote this book called New Earth, and he brings up like um, men and uh, committing suicide, and he said because um, because most people when men. Because we're one of the highest rates, like especially straight men, like when they use lose, like you said, change or losing a job, they mm. commit suicide because they identify themselves as this thing. Like yeah. I am my job, and so yes. once I take it yes. away, yes. then like I am nothing. So he was right. like learning to like if you like you are not the job, like you just so happen to be a, a therapist. You're not like therapist, you're not yeah. therapist. It's per mm-hmm. se the thing. You're just that's yeah. what you do. That's not who you are. Right. So right. um and yeah. he was like, if you can learn how to separate yourself from those things and stop saying, I am this, I am that, because when we do that, then we're emotionally connected 
say mm. that I am this thing. And then once it's because that thing can easily be taken away from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You be true to like you, then you can't be, be, I guess yeah. you, the true you aren't taken away because you are you, you're not no thing. So mm -hmm. learning, be, being careful with the words that we say yeah. to not identify ourselves as something. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I'm really glad you brought that up because that's such a powerful thing to, that we, I think we struggle with as men is that, and people in general, I think, but yeah. we often over identify yeah. with <laughs> something that gives us status or uh -huh. stability. Right. So I, I, I think of athletes who, um, who struggle after they can't play sports anymore, right? So if you have a football player, and this is, this has happened with people in the NFL and the NBA, yeah, right? so huge in that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happens? What happens to them when they're not in the light, the you know, in the spotlight anymore? When they're when they can't play if they get injured, and that's all they're known for. So I think that identity is so important in the sense that you know we have to have balance in that. We have to have. We have to have a separation of of work and and who we are as people because yeah. everything is is so um, transient, right? So things change all the time. So and and I think that there's a lot of gay men that over identify with being a part of the community or you know or like or you know they they only want to do gay things that they only want to yeah. be a part of you know and so I think it and it's a hundred percent absolutely yeah, important to, to be comfortable with being in the community, but you also have to be, a, you know, you also have to know that like, okay, what else, who else am I yeah. as a person? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause I, that was like actually one of the lighter questions, but uh, <laughs> okay. because I, that I do, I, I mean, it's uh, to me, I think it's very obvious, like a gay men in particular, I mean, straight men too. Mm -hmm. Um, overly identify with things like you mm -hmm. know it's you know i am a top and i'm a bottom and all these yeah. things you know right. or like twink and bear and all these things because they become these like characters that we sort of live into and i remember i was dating this guy you know um and we were we were very attracted to each other very like the sort of sexual heavy chemistry and stuff like that and uh he said this thing to me one day and I was just like, he said, well, I am the bottom and I supposed to be doing this and that and that. And I was just like, mm -hmm. I was like, says who is that in a book somewhere that because <laughs> yeah. you are, you are, yeah. you're saying you're that thing and that's how you're going <laughs> to operate. I'm like, I, was yeah. like uh, I don't think so. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like we're in a relationship yeah. and that ain't going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I was like, no. Yeah, so, but why, you know, in your, you know, in your studies, like, yeah, uh, and you're know, working with men, like, why is do you think that it's so important? Well, why do mm -hmm. other men think that it's so important to overly identify? What is like, sort of like, yeah. detriment, I guess, of that? Mm -hmm. I think, I my my thought is that a lot of it has to do with insecurity, right? So I think we're all insecure because of the media and these ideas and these standards that are a part of our community, every community, but we're talking about the gay community. You know, you think about um, what's, what's attractive to people, right? Like what's attractive to men? Like it's, if, if you go on any app right now, right? You'll see several, several types, several, several men or most, a majority of men saying things like mask for mask, right? Or I only, I only like guys to work out. And, you know, you see like a, a headless pic of just like these abs that look unreal, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it all, it causes us all this insecurity and this false sense of like what's attractive, right? So, um, and I think we get into this idea that if, if we find something that we like and we're good at, then that is our way in right that's our lane, so yeah. that's our lane that's our that's our way to get what we want and what we need right so it's like so if um so if you have muscles and you have a nice body then that's what you hang on to right and so um 
And so you're like, okay, well, that's what I can sell. So, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and it might be like, and, and sometimes it's like the assumption that that person is confident and that they're like, oh, like he's just super hot and he's going to be great. And, you know, and then, and then you might have a conversation with that person. And you're like, whoa, like that's, there's, you're kind of like in Snoozeville, right? Or <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes there's like that, that insecurity, we hang on to something that we're like, you know, we're good at. So if there is, so, and that, if you think about like the um, twins, right? Or, you know, and these are all generalizations, like it doesn't fit everyone. But I think that sometimes being skinny is also seen as desirable, right? Yeah. So, um, and age is another thing. So, um, <clears throat> you know, so there is this sort of idea that like, if you're over 30, then you might as well just set yourself out to pasture, right? Because like, it's just forget about it and so and, think, and it's so funny you say that because a lot of yeah. gay men say that and right. they, they live like it's true yeah <laughs> and it's like no absolutely yeah and 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 so and and it's kind of like and i think there's a fear of rejection as well so if i put myself out there yeah am i gonna get hurt right and so and tying to what we were talking about earlier it's like we're so afraid of emotions that we make decisions based on avoiding certain things or certain yeah. things happening to us so uh, well, i don't want to get hurt so i'm just gonna hook up with people and just have sex and that's what I'm, that's what i'm gonna do right yeah. it's safer um i don't want to be tied down i want to have choices so i'm just gonna be non-monogamous right so um so it, it's all really there's so much pressure to look and and to look a certain way and if you don't fit into that if you're different in some way um, but then it's, it's, you internalize that, right? Yeah. I think internalized phobia, internalized stigma, um, all these, you know, people have very distinct preferences. And so we take that very personal where, when it's like, and I have done that in my past. It's like, well, I've had people say like, oh, you're cute, but you're too old. What, or like, you know, is, or oh, is, you're chunky or. Yeah. You know, what, what is that about? Like, what is the underlining thing when guys get so specific of like, Mass yeah. for mass, because I, I I I used to be that way too, but I had to really, yeah. you know, when you, yeah. I mean, I had to look at it, but I'm like curious, like to hear you, it's like mm -hmm. what is the underlining, what is underneath all of that when guys are so specific like that? I think I think there's this, um, I think it's status and value, right? So yeah. I think it's I think that part of it is like if you if you're masculine, then you have a higher status in the hierarchy of gayness, right? So like, yeah. so you're just sort of like seen as this masculine dude, dude who like can get what they want and and that's sexy because we're men and we're supposed to be masculine right yeah. so you know and then i think it has a certain status if you can be masculine and be with someone masculine and it raises like your own confidence i think and it, it gives a false sense of security when you're when you're able to um when you're able to be with someone that is perceived as godlike in some way right so i right. think we have these ideas about um masculinity in general that i think that it's it, it's just seen as a higher value in our society and so when we're talking about um a when we're talking about the gay community where um there's the biology piece too where we're designed to plant our seed right so <laughs> <laughs> and and so when it comes down to we are there's not a lot of balance so like sometimes the sexual energy if we don't learn how to harness that we're just gonna want to like we're gonna be attracted to things that we think we are get reckless are valuable yeah we get reckless and we get like really heated and you know and i think that that's a big part of it is that we don't know how to regulate our emotions and our needs and our biology and so you know we we sometimes will get animalistic and and play into those instincts of yeah. of um wanting things that are beautiful or wanting men that are beautiful and masculine and, and strong right and because like that's going to bring us happiness and that's going to be really good sex and that's going to be like and people are going to be like oh i'm so jealous like yeah you know you get all these guys that are you know really attractive and so it, it does increase status and increase self-esteem but it's all a false sense of what actually is important because yeah. that doesn't mean that you're going to have a strong connection or no. that it's going to be great sex or that it's going to be 
Good. Like it's, no. it's all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it does not. No, absolutely. Not 100%. It does I, not. You, know? you just yeah. gave me so many ideas. It's so funny. I'm like, you know, I, uh, I want to say it. So I hooked up with this like Brazilian guy like a while back. Yeah. And, you know, he was, I, when, anybody who tells me, come, I'm so masked. Are you masked? That yeah. first sign of insecurity. Yeah. But so he came over and he's like, you know, I'm just like, what, what are you doing? Like, why are you showing off this muscle thing? Like, it's just such, yeah. a, it's such an insecure approach about yourself. Like, to, I guess because because I'm a coach and I've studied these things, and like, it just for me, like, oh, I see it now. I hear mm-hmm. it now. And yeah. what I've learned to, uh, I'm gonna share another story, <laughs> the personal story, but <laughs> but what I've learned that because I, especially with when people. When guys say, oh, I'm mask or I'm femme, like a part of it is that they have not fully accepted themselves as a gay man. And mm-hmm. because I was there, because I remember when I first started, you know, like hooking up the culture, like I would, I would put that down there. And then I had this realization. I was like, oh, well, if I don't accept this part of me, I'm not accepting all parts of me because I, I am not, I am not always this way. Yeah. I need to learn to accept all parts of me because it's just a part 100%. of who I am. Yeah. You know, totally. <laughs> yeah. And, and I remember there's a guy, you know, he used to frequent and whenever it only happened once, he ended up like, <laughs> he was still, it was, he got, he got pissed off with me and told him not to speak to him again. <laughs> I used the word pussy. Yeah. He would yeah. get so angry. Yeah. And I was just like, what is that about? Like, it's yeah. just a word. Like, yep. you know, like he would just yeah. thought, just, I'm a masculine yeah. dude. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is about. Yeah. <laughs> something we, yeah. else. <laughs> we- yeah, well, you know, that brings up a good point, too, because we demonize femininity, right? Right, we do. Like, we totally demonize it. It's like, it's like this, it's this terrible thing that, like, you can't be a, you can't be a femme gay dude. You know, it's just not sexy, but, like, or it's, or it's sort of fetishized, like, oh, well, I only, I only mess with Twinkie, femme, the queer kids, you know, and under the age of 30 or whatever it might be, but, um, but it's, but it's super important to like honor and and be authentic with that feminine energy because we have it. We all have it. We right? exactly. Yeah, it's a part of who we are. <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know, and I think that like that's one of the great things about like um, RuPaul's Drag Race and you know, and, and a lot of shows and visibility um, about that that you know <clears throat> allow the queer community to be a part of the dialogue and the narrative is really important because you know it's 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 shedding the light on the fact that we can be feminine and not want to be a girl right or not want to be a a woman um we can express ourselves in ways that are feminine and that's totally and and it just feels good and it's a part of who we are and that's okay i think it's these again it's these messages that like that if you're a guy you're a guy right and that's it and like you dress like a guy and you and you act like a guy and that's all it is but you know we're just that's not always the case you know and 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 i think it's super important and healthy to acknowledge the fact that if you you know if you like the color pink like rock it you You wear that pink (laughs) yeah you wear it you wear it boy that's right (laughs) you know know, if if you like britney spears you rock out that's right Right. Listen, listen. I do not shy away that I like Beyonce. Everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even all my straight friends, they're yeah. like, you know, your girls on there. They like, they like the yeah. straight guys are like sending me stuff about Beyonce. Yeah. So they know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I could talk to you all day, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I remember like there's there's this, um it just reminded me of this story that I love. Like it was a few years ago. There was a Taylor Swift song that was out. I think it was like Daydreams or Out of Style. It was a song that like it talked to it was a big it was a huge hit and it was like a few years ago and I remember <laughs> I was like driving in my car and I I had it blaring right and like and I, I was just James like Dean. yeah James Dean yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so I was like I was I was jamming out I'm like and you know just daydream right and like uh, just 
and like and it was like summer and you know and i pulled up to this like huge huge ass truck right these two straight dudes with like like um cam flash hats on and stuff and they're just like staring at me and i'm like ah, you know <laughs> and i didn't care and i just kept and it was like one of those moments where i i for a long time i used to be really careful and cognizant about like you know how gay am i right now right mm -hmm. and in that moment i was like i just didn't care i was so into that song i was so into like what i was doing and i was doing the whole like <laughs> out of style like driving right and um so it you know and it's and i think when we can like be unapo unapologetic about that it's it, there's such a power in that you know and i think it's important to yeah. embrace those things and and not make it so it's it's bad or or ugly or unattractive to do those things and you know i think something that's been helpful for me in terms of um personally and professionally is to is to remember that like you know what um if someone has an issue with who i am and how i express myself like they're not my people they're not for me right and i've learned too yeah. and it took me a while like <clears throat> i mean that's why i love coaching and therapy too like that that has nothing to do with me no it has everything 100%. to do with them yes you're speaking to my soul right now yes because, <laughs> yeah, honestly it, and, you know and i think and i think like it's it and it's it always it is whenever i talk about this like it baffles people right because um i have a really difficult time in dating and being in relationships and meeting guys because there there's this intimidation thing that happens because I, I'm transparent and I'm honest and I'm a therapist and I have a master's degree and I went to UConn and like I'm a licensed clinical social worker right I've been working for like almost 10 years now um in the field and that scares the crap out of people you know and and I, I had we're like hindered spirits right here because <laughs> when I tell people when I tell guys I'm a coach they get yeah. like they get so uncomfortable oh, God. yeah because <laughs> they think they they think that we're gonna like you know dissect their every move yeah. and we're going to like psychoanalyze them and, and sell it sell their story on ebay or something like it's just you know it and um and i i had i had people that said to me like i i'm never going to be okay with you being a therapist so this isn't going to work like you're always reading me even when you say you're not and i'm like i you're not my client like i don't want to read you because I probably <laughs> will see the red flags and so you do yeah yeah <laughs> you know and it's like and I can't do that and that, that that's my own boundaries like I can't if I'm not working I'm not working right and um and I have to separate what I do because I don't want to over identify with being a therapist like I have ther therapist friends that diagnose everyone and they talk about therapy all the time and they read books and and that's cool for them but i don't want to do that you know like i I, I sometimes i watch really crappy shows on tv or i won't read books because i need to turn my brain off or like <laughs> just kind of sit there and stare at the wall for a little bit because i need that separation right and i think it's really important to to acknowledge that like you know that that and to take this thing out of like that therapists are not you know we're not evil and coaches too like we're not like trying to change you or trying to make you into what people want you to be or make you something you're not or, or make you feel bad about your life like we're just trying to help you be the best you can be and uh, right quite honestly i tell people like i want to make your life easier because it's not fun to be anxious all the time and wake up and have a fear of getting out of bed right like yeah that's not fun like you're not having a good time if you're like drinking to deal with going out in public or you know or you're like so afraid of being with someone that you won't even like talk to people or you've never dated a guy you know like that's not a good time like it doesn't sound yeah, like, was, like something yeah. that you that is good yeah so you know yeah like you bring up a really good point like oh my god i love talking to you <laughs> you know like you know <laughs> i'm not sure if you read um yeah. read this book called commitment to healing gay men needs for love and romance um, no, it looks great. Yeah. But it's my my best friend recommended book. He said this this book came out before Velvet Rage, and um, he was sharing that. Well, in the book, he's a, he's a therapist. He was saying how majority of the time that when gay men have a lot of sex is that they're avoiding intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's a way to be intimate without being intimate, right? Right. And so it's a way to like be connected with someone, and 
but not have to be vulnerable to not have to talk about emotions because you can just have sex feel that rush right and and it's also very validating and it also is like creates a lot of um a, a fleeting sense of of confidence and being desired right so yeah. sometimes that people sometimes it's men confuse validation with um desire and wanting to have sex or being horny right yeah. so like i want to hook up i want to have sex and really they're trying to should to feel like oh i can i i'm sexy like someone wants me right yeah. like i'm desirable someone someone finds me attractive enough to have sex with me yeah yeah so- so what are some steps that men can start like stepping into to like really like shift into being someone like having healthy sexual choices, having healthy mm-hmm. mental mindsets, have like steps into their healing? Because, you know, what we said is, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. yeah. So what are some steps that men can start taking? Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Um... I think it all starts with the first step is really um, looking at, you know, practicing self-awareness, increasing that ability to know like what you're, we all have biases, right? So we all have these things that, these ideas about things that hold us back in some way. So if, I think it's really important to look at like your relationship with yourself and say like, okay, what do I want for myself? What What is, what is a, um, and I'm going to say something controversial. You talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's important to look at like re-examine what your what your foundation is like, right? So, like, what is your relationship with yourself? What is your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Because we all need a purpose in life, whatever that is. If it's to be an accountant, then it's to be an accountant, you know. Or um, we all need plumbers. We all need like the trades. We all need certain things in our lives. So everyone has a purpose. So, and I think it's living that purpose, whatever it is. And then also like being clear about what do you value? Yeah. What are your what are your morals? What is your vision for yourself? What's important to you and what are your priorities? And then, you know, start to look at like how you manage life on life's terms. So what do you do when something happens? Because the reality is that like life is messy and complicated mm-hmm. and throws crap at you all the time, right? So yeah. um how do you deal with that? Like how do you ask you know how do you ask for help and i think um community is also really important i think it's Mm -hmm. important to find and it's so easy now i think with with um with everything being virtual i think that's you know and online and accessible i think that's one of the good things about this pandemic is that we have so much more accessibility um to community right so I think it's really important to find people that, that are like-minded that you can start to talk to if you don't want to, you know, if you're not ready for therapy, you know, talk to friends that have gone through therapy. Um, I think when you disclose that you have anxiety and you have depression or you struggle with self-esteem, if you if you share that with someone, I, I can almost guarantee you that that person is going to say, I, I go through that too, or I used to yeah. have anxiety. And it's, we all have that, those things. It's funny, like, I, I, first of all, I love everything you just said because I, you know, I did some research a while back and a Harvard study was saying that like, based on men and women and why, I think I was looking up like, why men die before women or something like that. Yeah. And they were saying, one of the things is women have strong communities, strong circles where men don't, yep have circles where they can talk to and share and women have more circles that they can talk to and share and that also like what you said too that women are more likely to go get help and or ask for help or talk about getting help or they're they're more likely to say something more than what men do and i really love where you see like re re re-examining yourself because that happened for me like when i started deleting all these Mm -hmm. like grinder and stuff like that because i had to really I think when you do a lot of personal work, you really, or yeah. like a coach or a therapist, you really look at yourself a lot. And I remember mm-hmm. like starting to notice, like, did I feel good after this hookup? And I noticed I was like, no, I didn't feel good. This is yeah. even though the act, the sex act was good, but the afterwards was like, mm, yeah, yeah. I don't, like this is like, I spent yeah. two hours just to have this this amount of sex, and then I'm walking away. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah, like. 
I, and then the person didn't even like look me in the eye right, right. or like didn't want to kiss or didn't want to do this all these rules i was like that doesn't yeah. feel good to do all that like, go through all yeah. this effort just for like to cut to come i was like yeah. i have better <laughs> sex with myself than yeah. i can connect with myself than right. to, to deal with that i was like you know yeah. I'm going to delete this stuff because yeah. when I deleted I felt much better by deleting it. I was like, oh my God, like I'm giving yeah. myself my time back to myself and it mm. makes me feel good to be with myself and yeah. not like constantly on the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's like, um, there's research that shows that like that when you get a message on an app or you get like a like or you yeah. get on social media and apps too, it's very similar where you, there's there's parts of your brain that go off right so there's yeah. like the, it triggers the reward system and so you start to crave like oh, i'm getting attention and people are you know wolfing me or you know, <laughs> whatever it is right <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> whether like <laughs> you know um where they're sending me like all these messages or whatever and it's like and if if you can't you know, if you can't like get find that internally, you're always going to be seeking it, and sometimes you're not going to get it. Right. You know? Like, and and so I think it's important to, you know, obviously like we all love attention, we all like love validation from outside of ourselves, but we have to we have to create that for ourselves, and um and it's it's especially important because if you can't you know please yourself and know your body and know what feels comfortable, um and be able to to get yourself off how are you gonna make someone else right off? it's such a good point um yeah and um in dr robert grover's book no more mr nice guy he even talks about that he has an exercise where he says no porn no pornography no pornographic movies no uh magazines he said do it for a month he said if you're going to masturbate like explore yourself he said because most men don't know how to make themselves feel good or what uh, they don't explore their bodies to know what feels good they just like want to fuck and come he's like you know it's important for you to explore your own body so you can articulate to someone what feels good besides you know sticking your sticking your dick in somebody you know what i mean yeah. or, or whatever yeah. he said but it's important to you for men to discover their own bodies so they can know what feels good besides the one thing that we all know how to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and then I think like, um, absolutely. And I think, and then it becomes like porn addiction and sex addiction, it can become a thing too. Um, but, you know, it, because if we start to rely on that feeling of getting off um, from other people and what that means and, you know, and, it, and that can become really, um, debilitating if you can't you know if you need to if you need to come with someone or you have to have sex because that's the only way you can function right um it's 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 a it's it's very murky um and i think like you know we, we talked a lot about self-care and i think it's like super important because part of self-care sometimes is self-love and getting stuff done and being and yeah and an attitude and a perspective and it's an everyday thing and it's not just mimosas and drag brunches <laughs> and you know and putting mud masks on at night like it's it's like how how are your thoughts like what are you thinking oh, about yes. you know like what's that pattern in your head like are you you know criticizing yourself every time you make a mistake or you don't like the way you know you walk by a mirror and you think you look ugly and you say to yourself like oh you're too fat every time you walk by a mirror or you see yourself in a reflection yeah. um that just wears you down yeah so it's, yeah. it's it's a continuous commitment so like i'm gonna love myself you know and and lizzo has this amazing I'll, I'll send you the link um she has this if you haven't seen it she has this amazing article that nbc posted um, and she talks about self-care as, as self-preservation mm. and, um, and she just talks about like how she accepted herself and, and how she just became unapologetic. And it's like, it, so, it's so powerful to read. You should, yes, I just amazing? love her. Yeah. I just yeah. love her so much. Like, you know, she just doesn't care. Like, you know, yeah. she's beautiful because of that. So, well, she's beautiful anyways, but like, it just ignites this fire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Oh my God. I can 
talk to you for so long. <laughs> like, we need to get to all the questions, but uh, yeah. But you know, thank you so much for being of here. Of course, thank you. Yeah, it's man, it's and awesome. uh, yeah, I was. Uh, can you tell everybody where they can find you or get in contact? With uh, you? Yeah, so you can. Um, <clears throat> so I'm on Instagram, um, Facebook, and uh, I have a website, Shane shanemscott.com so that's shanemscott.com i'm also on facebook um shane M. scott lcsw is the link is the um you know the, the sidebar part um i'm not super tech savvy but i'm doing my best and um <laughs> <laughs> i'm also on linkedin as well so okay. um perfect. all right cool awesome. all right man thank you so much thank you here. thank you for having right. me yep. take care Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a comment. And if you really like this podcast, please share it. Twitter, Instagram, or on your webpage. Thank you. Crazy Juicy Love.